So like Pastor Dan said, I'm used to teaching kids and not adults, and I usually start out with a game, but I won't make you guys play a game today. Well, of course, Pastor Dan said to, on Friday to have fun, and so I was like, well, maybe I should bring that game in, but <laughs> I won't make you guys play a game. Um, so Pastor Dan said of Friday night back in December, I gave a shorter version of the message that I will be giving today, and I just, when Pastor Dan, he said he asked me, but he actually told me I was going to <laughs> do it. We were, like, leaving, and he rolled down the window, and he's like, hey, you're preaching at the end of the month. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then I went home, and I'm like, what did I just agree to? <laughs> he said that was my spirit. And so I was like, good job, spirit. Look what you got us into. <laughs> but I do feel like it's an important message, and that God wants you all to hear today. Um, it's just something that's helped me. Through a trying time in my life, I want to share it for you guys. You're going through that kind of time, and I think I will just get started. So my message today is going to be called Being Focused in a Winter Season. And since I'm not going to start out with a game, I'm going to start out with a scripture. This is going to be my base scripture, and it's in Proverbs 20, verse 4. It says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. So this was about six or seven months ago. The Lord led me to this scripture. And my first reaction was, God, I am not lazy. You calling me lazy? It's five in the morning. I am sitting up with you right now (laughs) reading your word. And then I got into a maybe vein of, well, maybe God does think I'm lazy. Maybe I don't pray enough. Maybe I don't worship enough. Maybe I don't do enough. And Somehow, the Holy Spirit was able to get a word in edgewise while I was in my maybe vein, and just rose up in me, would you be quiet, or would you shut up, (laughs) and let me show you what I want to reveal to you. That is such an important thing to get right there. When God leads you to a Bible verse, let him minister to you what he wants you to get out of it. It might be a Bible verse that you know front to back and you've seen thousands of times and you think you know everything there is to know about it. Well, God's word is living word. It is always revealing something. God will never, it will never exhaust of what God can show you in one simple verse. So here in Montana, we know what the winter season is, right? You all saw what Witcher was doing outside last Sunday. That wasn't fun. (laughs) But there are people here that like the winter season. They want it to last forever. And they like the cold. They like the snow. They go out and do the skiing, snowboarding, and building snowmen, things like that. They just embrace everything winter has to offer them. But I bet that if I asked you guys... Do you like a winter season in your own personal lives? Everybody would say no. Why is that? Because winter season signals lack. Lack in physical needs, lack in spiritual needs, spiritual dryness. Maybe you feel like you're not getting anything from God. You're praying. Your prayers aren't being answered. He's not giving you any new revelation. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut that... 
It's just the same thing every day, and you don't know how to get ahead. Worse, maybe things feel like they're crashing down around you, and you're going backwards. One time I read this story by Lisa Bevere, and she was talking about a time in her and her husband, John Bevere's life, where they've been praying and just going through a lot of struggles. And she was pregnant with their second kid. And I don't remember if she was still working or not, but if she was working, she was going to be quitting her job soon because she was going to be giving birth. And it looked like John was going to lose the job he had at that time. And so they were praying, but it just continued. Problems kept coming up and everything, and they felt like they were getting nothing from God. So one day he goes out and he says, I'm going to take a walk and go pray. And he comes back and he's like, Lisa, God showed me something today. And she's like, great, because he's not talking to me, so I'm glad he's talking to you. <laughs> and anyways, he was walking through a meadow. And at, you know, when he was walking and he notices the grass is about ankle high. And then he gets to a section where it's just dirt. There's nothing growing. And then after that dirt... There's grass that's like waist high, and it continues to get higher. And he said that God was using that as an illustration of their lives, that that short grass represented their life as it had been, and the dirt was going to represent a wilderness that they were going to go through. And then after that, the tall grass represented God was going to pour out all of his anointing and blessings in their life. So she's getting excited because she's thinking, oh, We've been going through so much. We have to be almost through the wilderness, and we're going to be there. We're going to get all that blessing poured out on us. So she asks him, where are we? Did God show you where we were? And he says, yes. And she's excited. Oh, we're almost there. And asks, where are we? And he's like, we are just at the end of that short grass. We're getting ready to go through the wilderness. And she's like, are you kidding me? We've already been struggling. You tell me it's getting worse. Nobody likes a winter season. But we all know that we're going to face winter seasons in our lives, and probably more than one. John 16, Jesus himself said we would face tribulations in our lives. The Message Bible says it as we will continue to experience difficulties. So going back to Proverbs 20, verse 4, when I was meditating on that scripture that day, the word plow was really sticking out to me. And I think we would all have a similar definition of what plow means. It means to go forward, to not look back. You just press forward no matter what. And that is one of the definitions. But that day I felt like I wasn't getting the whole revelation God wanted me to get from that word. So I looked it up in the concordance. And if you ever want to, you should look up that word sometime because that little four-letter word has so many meanings to it. And God could just minister to you in hundreds of different ways just off that one little word. But today, I'm going to focus on the one that he was ministering to me about. And so one of the definitions of that word plow was image. Have an image. To me, that is have a vision. We can look at Proverbs 20, verse 4, as saying, the lazy man will not have a vision because of winter. 
If you've been going to this church any length of time, you should know what vision is. We have a vision for our church. The pastors have their own visions, and you guys should have your own visions in your life. It's that thing that's deep in your heart, that desire of what you want your life to be, who you want to be. And it's actually who God created you to be. It's what God created you to do. It's what God created you to have. He did not just throw you down on this earth to wander around aimlessly, hoping to find your niche in life. No, when he was creating you, he breathed everything he wanted you to be inside your heart. He brought you down here with purpose. Psalms 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's actually the desires of his heart. Those desires you have were first his desires of who he created you to be. But a lot of times winter season comes into our life, and we lose or forget our vision. Hardships will try to pressure us on every side so that we will focus on that and forget what our vision is. Um, Back in December, my sister came over to my house, and I had my vision board out. And if some of you guys don't know what a vision board is, you can find that in Habakkuk or however you say that weird Bible name. (laughs) But it's in chapter 2. And anyways, it's basically having a board, or you can do a journal, whatever you want to do, and it has images of what you're believing God for, and it has scriptures of the scriptures you stand in faith on. So when she came over to my house and she saw mine and Casey, my husband's, by our vision board, she asked what that was, and we were explaining it to her. And so she, you know, went up to it closer and was looking at it and reading the verses, and I didn't know how she was going to take it because, especially with family members, you think that they could go the route of, yeah, I know your life and how it's going. How do you think you'll ever get that? So I was kind of wondering how that would go, and she got done looking at it, and she said, that is such a good idea, and I should have a vision board. And then she kind of got emotional and said, because it's so easy to lose your vision, And it's so true. Life will try to get us down a million different paths to the point of we forget what we were standing on. We forget what we wanted to be or who we wanted to be. There's another way you can go on that. You can try to reason it away. That's something I tried to do. We say something to the effect of, well, I'm just going to have to put this on the back burner right now. My life's falling apart. I need to do something about this. I need to get it back on track. Maybe down the road, I will try to pick this up again. So as I said, that's the route I tried to take. I think many of you know that back in August, Casey lost his job, and it was a good-paying job. It allowed me to stay home and pursue things that I wanted to pursue. So when he came home that day and said, He lost his job, and the company was going under. Well, the devil loved that, first of all. (laughs) He jumped on my shoulder and was, how are you going to make it? You have no income coming in now. How are you going to pay your bills? You don't have that much in savings. What are you going to do? You're going to lose everything. 
And so every day, I would sit in front of our vision board, and I would look at the scriptures and the pictures and pray and talk to God about it and everything. And after that happened, there was one day that I was sitting there, and I was just so discouraged about everything. And I thought, this is silly to sit in front of this. You need to be going and finding a job. You need to be figuring out what you're going to do. And you're sitting here doing nothing. (laughs) So I thought, I'm just going to have to put this away for right now. I don't see how this could ever happen right now. i got to go do something. And it grieved my heart so much when I had those thoughts. And it was, I can't even explain the feeling. It was just such a low feeling. And I started to cry and get upset. And I was really upset. And so finally I had to console myself and be like, no, no, no. We're not going to give up on this. We're going to keep going with it. We're going to stay in faith with it. And it was just the devil's lies. Because you know that vision that's in your heart? That's a God vision. And it didn't matter, Casey's job. Sure, it paid enough for me to stay home. It didn't pay enough for our vision. When you have a God vision, it's something that God's going to do in your life. It's not going to be something you can do by yourself. He gets the glory for what he does in your life. If you can do it by yourself, then you get the glory. So like I said, it was silly to think that that vision couldn't come to pass because it wasn't going to be us that gets it. It's going to be God that does it for us. I once heard Gloria Copeland say I loved one of her stories. Um, You know, especially if you're a new Christian or you just feel like you haven't been walking with God the way you should. You don't feel like you got enough uh, word in you to, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can have a vision or not. Gloria Copeland talks about when she first got born again. A week after she got born again, she decided, I'm going to believe God for a house. (laughs) And so she started believing God for a house and property then, and she was such a new Christian. And she did, She wasn't even sure at that time she could believe God for it, but she thought, I'm going to anyways. <laughs> and then it did come to pass. So it doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. You can have vision. You can have vision right away. Start your vision. If you don't have vision, start it right now. Can we all agree that we're supposed to imitate God? We're supposed to do things his way, Right? In case you don't believe me, that's found in Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. We are supposed to imitate what he does and do it his way. So I want to look at Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my purpose. Before God ever said, light be, he created the end result. He already knew what the end was going to be. He didn't get hung up when Adam and Eve sinned, thinking, now what? What am I going to do? This throws a wrench in my plans. No, he created the end, and nothing between the beginning and to the end was or is going to stop the end result he already created. So I just want to look up a couple words here. Well, the words that I looked up. The first one was declaring. Declaring the end from the beginning. 
That word declaring means stand boldly. God has and is continuing to stand boldly on the end result. And the other one was my counsel. My counsel shall stand. And that means my purpose. God's purpose shall stand. What did I just say like a few minutes ago? The desires of your heart are God's purpose for your life. God's purpose shall stand. I went too far. (laughs) If you are to imitate God, then you should be focused on your end result. What are you believing God for? What are you standing in faith for? Focus on that end result. I heard Bill Winston once say, the devil is about the details. And it's true. Once you decide you're going to have a vision and stand in faith for it, the first thing he's going to be is, how are you going to get there? What are you going to do? And as I said, it's a God vision. It's not something you can do alone. It's something that he's going to have to make happen in your life. But the devil is trying to get you wrapped up in the details. How are you going to get there? What are you going to do? What are the steps you're going to take? And so you start focusing on that, and then you get discouraged because it's a God vision, so you don't know how you're going to get there by yourself. Pretty soon, you're so wrapped up in the details, you forget that end vision. Your job isn't to worry about the details. It's to stand boldly for the end result. You do not give up your vision because of a winter season. You stand in faith that is coming to pass. You speak the end result. You see the end result. You meditate on that end result. You do not focus yourself on the winter season and forget who God created you to be. One of my favorite stories is found in 2 Kings, and it's the end of chapter 6 and chapter 7. And anyways, it's talking about how Syria has surrounded the city of Samaria. And there's a great famine in Samaria because they can't get in or out of their city. And Syria, you know, that's their goal. They want to starve them out. And the king is walking through his city. And he's just horrified by what he sees. You know, only the richest people can afford, like, donkey heads to eat and animal droppings. And, yeah. (laughs) And people are so desperate that they're killing their children and eating them. And it's just horrific what he sees. And he gets to Elijah, and actually his goal was to kill Elijah, because he thinks it's Elijah's fault. But he gets there and he says something to the effect of, why should I continue to believe in God? He obviously sees what we're going through. He does, he's not doing anything. Why should I care? Why should I keep going? Why? Why don't I just give up? And Elijah tells him, in 24 hours, there's going to be so much food in this city that it will be sold for practically nothing. And in 24 hours, that's what happened. There was so much food in that city that was sold for practically nothing. But there was one person that didn't benefit from it, and it was the king's officer. And that's because when he heard that, he was like, how could that ever happen? We are so far gone right now, and you're saying in 24 hours it will completely be different? He even said, even if God opened the floodgates of heaven, it couldn't be that good in 24 hours. Well, it was, but he was the only one that didn't benefit because he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it happening. 
It's my favorite story because it shows you how fast God can change a winter season. 24 hours, suddenly. We have the God of suddenlies. That's going to happen in your life. One day it's going to be one way, the next is going to be there. It's going to be what you're believing God for. It can change suddenly. So I want to go back to Proverbs 20, verse 4, because I said it was our base scripture. I want to look at the end of that scripture. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. I was pondering this one day. I think it was just last summer. There was a few weeks where it was in the high 90s, low 100s. It was just really hot. And then one day a freak storm came by or came through and it was like the high of 57 or 58 degrees. And everybody was freezing that day and they're in coats and long pants and everything where the day before they were in tank tops and shorts. And then you can reverse it because in Montana we always have those days that are below zero. So sometimes you have the winters where it's like below zero for weeks and then all of a sudden it gets like 20 or 30 degrees and you're all happy, and you're in light jackets and sweatshirts. Oh, it's warm out. I should get my shorts. (laughs) There was one night when we were worshiping. It was a Friday night. And I heard God so clearly tell me in my spirit that it almost seemed audible to me. Do not deny my power and what I can do for your life. Our expectations of what God can do in our lives cannot change because of the seasons we're going through. So when the seasons change here, our expectations change of what is warm. But when we're standing on God's word, just because you're going through a winter season, you can't lessen what God can do in your life. I think we can all agree that this winter has been more intense than the previous winters. We've gotten big storms back to back record snowfall, and cold temperatures. We definitely had more mild winters years previously than this one has been. But it doesn't matter how bad a winter season is. It has an allotted time, and it cannot last forever. Once that time is up, it has to give way to spring. It can't just be straight winter for years and never give way. If you do not hold fast to your vision and stand on faith, harvest time is going to come, but it's going to pass you by. I think you can see that with the story of the Israelites. They spent 40 years wandering around the desert, and during that time they didn't have the best attitudes, but 40 years, and it seemed like they were never going to get to the promised land, but they did. One day, they got to the promised land, and what happened? They all died outside the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb. Giants or no giants, the Israelites were not going to live in the promised land. Why? Because they lost the vision. You can can plainly see that when the 12 spies went out to scout the land and they came back, the 10 gave the evil report, that they couldn't live in there. There's giants, and they're nothing compared to these people. Joshua and Caleb tried to get them to catch the vision again, but what was their response? They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to the world system. Why? 
because it's comfortable. It's easy. They might not have enjoyed being slaves, but at least they knew what it was about. They were always complaining, saying, well, at least we had food. At least we had shelter. They wandered 40 years doubting and complaining. They enjoyed complaining. They complained about God and what he was not doing for them. They complained about their leader, Moses. And when they were tired of complaining about them, they complained about each other. Complaining will kill your vision. You do not want to complain. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you're going to have vision in your life and walk it out by faith, it's going to be uncomfortable and uneasy. Why? Because you're going to have to walk through winter times. You're going to have to walk through difficult times and times of trial. It grows your faith. It grows your faith. You have to be in a place where you're totally relying on God. And not what you can do, but what God does in your life. Granted, when you start exercising your faith and you see God providing for you, it gets easier and easier. But just like diet and exercise, it's a challenge at first. It was uncomfortable and uneasy when Casey came home and said he lost his job. That and fighting the devil's lies and that fear and everything, that is something that was uncomfortable, thinking, where's the money going to come from that we need? What are we going to do? All we knew is we had to trust in God. That's what we did. We put our full trust in him. I've heard a lot of people quote along the lines of this scripture. They say something like, well, I'm believing God for this or that, but I'm, or I'm standing in faith right now, waiting patiently for God to move on my behalf. But are they really waiting patiently? You can answer that question by knowing what the word patiently means in the Greek translation. The first definition of that is to be cheerful or have a cheerful attitude. Whatever you're going through, do it with a cheerful attitude. So, since Casey lost his job, we both had to take jobs again. And the, <laughs> I don't know, how do I want to say this? I'll say it this way. Last week, my boss gave me the best compliment I ever got. And she said, you know, you amaze me because you always have a good attitude. You're never negative. You get along with everybody. You do the job well. And I've just never seen someone that's never negative. And that's a nice compliment. But why it blessed me is because I don't really care for the job. I don't like it. When I started that job, the devil jumped on my shoulder and was like, you're going to do this the rest of your life. Ha, ha, ha. And that really just, that was a fight because I always seen myself as someone where I don't care. Like, I could scrub toilets and be fine with it and everything. I never thought there was something 
that I would do that I couldn't be content at. But when I started that job, it's catering and working with food. I just knew right then there are things that I don't enjoy. (laughs) That's one of them. But she told me that, and that was such a great compliment to me. And like I said, when I started this job, devil jumped on my shoulder and was like, you're going to have to do this forever now. Ha, ha, ha. So I was praying about it, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to have a negative attitude about this. I know what complaining gets you. Before this, I used to work at Kmart, and some of the most negative people that work there have been the longest employees there. Complaining will keep you stuck in a rut. And so, yeah, I knew I didn't want to complain about things. I didn't want to get stuck in a rut. I I don't want to be there forever, so I didn't want to complain about it. And I asked God, what do I do? How do I keep encouraged while I'm going through this job? And he said, focus on the end result. See, I can go to work with a cheerful attitude and just be on top of the world because I'm praising God for what he is going to do in our lives for that end result. You won't be negative and you won't have anything to complain about when you're just focused on your end result. One time Creflo Dollar said, God's, per- God's promises are the only thing that is eternal. Everything else has an expiration date. If there are things in your life that are not in line with God's word or God's promises, they cannot last. They have an expiration date. The other thing that he said that really ministered to me was, while you're going through the wilderness, praise God, but learn something. God uses the winter season in our lives to teach us, mold us, and prepare us for the great things he's going to release in our lives. Two examples that I wanted to give that I found in the Bible that they went through a wilderness or winter season was first Joseph. His brother sold him into slavery because he told them that he had a dream that he was going to rule over them, and they didn't like that. He spent 11 years working his way up from a slave to overseeing everything in Potiphar's house. Then, because of Potiphar's wife, he spent two years in prison before he finally was called to interpret the king's dream. And then David. David slayed Goliath. David was a hero after that. He got to marry the king's daughter. He got to live in the palace. He was working him and everything, and then King Saul got jealous of him and decided he wanted to kill him. So David spent years running around and hiding in the desert from King Saul. Both David and Joseph went through years of winter season. I think sometimes we forget that. We see these great people in the Bible, and you know, we read they're having a difficulty in one chapter, and then a couple chapters later, they're all good again. And so we forget that they went through it for years and years. It wasn't something they just got out of in a week or a month. It was years. And if you look at all the great people in the Bible, you will see all of them went through a winter season in their life, a wilderness, some kind of trial. But they never lost vision that God gave them. 
They stayed focused on their end result, and it came to pass. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we see this verse a lot when we're talking about tithing and sowing seeds and, you know, the financial side of it. But that word deceive means roam away from the truth. Anytime you ever roam away from God's truth, that's being deceived. When we lose vision, we're being deceived. When we start listening to the devil of, I got to figure it out, I got to do it myself, I got to do this or that, we're being deceived. When we're complaining, we're being deceived. So, how are you going to handle the winter seasons in your life? God knows your heart. He's not mocked. It's what's in your heart that's going to decide. Are you like Joseph or David, so focused on the end result that it does not matter what you're going through? And I'll throw this in, too. This was a message he ministered to me through our winter season. If you will just allow God, just open yourself up and allow him to talk to you in a winter season, you'll get to a place where you don't even know you're going through a winter season. You're happy. You're focused on the end result. You're praising God. And then you get to that place where those things are happening in the natural realm. I once heard Creflo Dollar say, start rejoicing and praising God for your answer now. Because when you get it, you're just going to stand there and be like, yep, I got it. And people are going to be like, why aren't you praising God? Why aren't you happy? And you're going to be like, because I praised him when I got it back then. (laughs) So as I was saying, you're going to be like Joseph and David, so focused on your end result, nothing is going to stop you. Or are you going to be like the Israelites, doubting, complaining about their experience, losing sight of their vision, and letting the harvest season pass them by? Now, if you would say you were like the Israelites, well, I was too. It's never too late well, it's not too late now anyways to catch your vision again and to go with it and focus on it and just be right there with God, listening to what he wants you to learn and where he wants you to go. God is waiting for you. Let him lead you down an amazing path that gets you out of winter season and into harvest. So this will be my ending verse. It's Proverbs 4, verse 25 through 27. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. Stay focused on your end results.